You're listening. You're listening to a University of Kentucky. University of Kentucky. College of Arts and Sciences podcast. Biology professor Ashley Seifert only joined the University of Kentucky this past May, but he already has big plans for the research he'll be doing at UK. Seifert's background is one of a developmental and regeneration biologist. All sorts of creatures, big and small, can regenerate parts of themselves. But Seifert will be examining vertebrate regeneration. The hope of the research is that we not only learn more about the world around us, but learn potential new ways to help people who may either be sick or injured. In this podcast, Seifert discusses the research he'll be conducting at UK, his goals, the different species of animals he'll be working with, and how being a scientist is one of the best gigs around. Okay, my name is Ashley Seifert. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Biology in the College of Arts and Sciences. So you are pretty new to UK, right? Just been here since May 10th, so yeah, <laughs> that's pretty So new. you're pretty fresh. And so you're still getting your lab set up. Yes. But once it is set up, what kinds of things are going to go on in your lab? Okay, so my lab is basically set up or designed to explore aspects of uh, how animals are capable of regenerating different tissues or organs. Uh, at the same time, it's also um, set up to understand how organisms develop. All right? So I kind of consider myself a developmental biologist and a regeneration biologist. And we work on all sorts of uh, different vertebrates, and we work on things um, from fertilization through development up into adulthood. And the developmental side of things looks at that period in which the animal is forming its shape, more different morphological structures like limbs, tails, eyes, etc. And then for the regeneration studies, most of those take place after the animals, uh, either young juvenile or adult. And then we're looking at how injury will cause a wound to form and then um, how that goes about the process of replacing itself. Yeah, so what are some examples of regeneration that you're going to be looking at specifically? So regeneration, if you don't know, is, is fairly widespread, right? So all sorts of metazoans um, are capable of regenerating things. We've got stuff like planaria or, or hydra, which can pretty much replace their, their entire cells um, when they're cut in half. But I pretty much focus specifically on vertebrate regeneration. And the organ systems which I focus on are the skin and also uh, the limb. Those are the, sort of the two primary systems. So I've been interested in trying to understand how uh, humans, for example, who have an, a skin injury, we, we form a scar, right? And so I've been trying to look at how things like salamanders, frogs, and even certain types of, of mammals are capable of healing those wounds such that they can actually replace the tissue that's been excised, right? So how can they regrow hair follicles, reform the dermis such that they don't, they don't get that scar? So I look at that in, in primary, primarily salamanders and then a species of African mice called uh, acomies or Ac- African spiny mice. And then I'm also interested in limb regeneration a little bit. Um, but what I've also been trying to do there is sort of steer clear of the limb a little bit and try to simplify things and look at the digit. So you may or may not know that humans can replace or regenerate the very distal tip of their their digit. But yet if you take that amputation and move it back before the nail bed, right, those animals can't regenerate that, that digit. But you take an animal like a salamander, not only can it grow its whole limb, but if you amputate any part of the digit, it'll grow back. So I'm interested in sort of at a general histological and tissue level, sort of looking at this process of digit regeneration across all these different animals. 
Yeah, so what do you hope to find in your lab? What's the, sort of on the horizon for your research? It's hmm. a good question. So I would say that sort of my research programs are focused on the skin, so that obviously has a, has a human component to it. Um, again, looking at how humans are incapable of regenerating skin and how, how we wound and form a scar, sort of developing some of these animal models to understand sort of the process of skin regeneration. And um, I'm interested in that from a basic biological um, standpoint, just how it can do it, what are the signaling pathways that are involved, how do cells communicate with one another, how do they move around and or reorganize themselves to regenerate that piece of skin. And then also, if we can identify molecules which might have sort of an antifibrotic activity, such that we see that when they're either upregulated or downregulated, the tissue that's produced there is not scar-like, right? It, it's, more, it's more measured in its production and it looks more like it's being rebuilt. So part of my research program really focused on, again, the sort of biology of skin regeneration and how that might have a human implication. And then from the standpoint of digits, it still sort of falls under that category of how does an animal, you know, regrow something? And then how can you extrapolate that to the human condition? And there, again, it's just the beginning of, of that set of work. And so it depends on what we discover, right? What kind of molecules we find and, and, and how we gain an understanding of how the local environment there is controlling the process of regeneration. Yeah. So in the meantime, just you know, this is not really related to your research, but I'm sure you have thought about this. How do you feel about, like, 3D printing prosthesis and, like, aids for people who have, like, mobility issues or, like, are missing limbs and stuff? Do you think that's going to integrate at all with the research that's going to come out of this line? I'll say this first. I think that the work that's been going on in artificial limbs and prosthetics is absolutely amazing. I've uh, seen people who have prosthetic hands or arms that are very, very lifelike and actually have a lot of mobility teams. People can actually pick, uh, pick things up. They're pressure sensored, almost integrated in some cases, I think, with some of the nervous tissue that's uh, in, their, in their amputation stumps, and that allows them to have pressure and you know, move that back and forth. And I think that that field's only going to get more and more advanced. And I think that that research needs to continue. And how that sort of integrate with what we're working on. Well, you know, I, someone asked me, do I think we'll be able to regenerate a limb anytime soon? We may be able to sort of develop an understanding that allows us to initiate, say, limb regeneration. But even if I could regenerate your limb, uh, I don't know how old you are, but let's just assume you're 25. It's going to take you 20 years to grow it back, maybe even longer. However, where I do think that the stuff that we're working on is very practical, again, goes back to this idea of not only skin injuries, but again, think about how when an injury injury occurs, you have this fibrotic response. And fibrosis is one of these catch-all terms um, that we find it's used in a pathological setting, right? So it means something's bad. You have an overproduction of connective tissue. You see that in cystic fibrosis. You see it in heart attacks. You see it in skin injuries. And so if we can sort of understand how animals that regenerate structures can combat fibrosis, we actually can, as a byproduct, potentially understand the way we can control fibrosis in all sorts of disease states. And so that has huge implications and sort of then moves away from our work from the science fiction of regenerating whole limbs to actually treating human diseases, which aren't actually an amputation followed by something afterwards. Yeah. So how many animals do you think you're going to have? Uh, you mean in terms of number of species or just um, yeah sure numbers? number of species um, that, that'll that'll will will change depending on the types of questions that we're, we're asking so to begin with um, again salamanders are one of the primary species that I, that I work with and so we'll have those in their aquatic form and then also in a terrestrial form 
So we'll have those guys here. Um, another salamander, which is a which is a newt, red spotted newt. Uh, you can collect those actually locally. Maybe a few other species of salamanders that people um, have sort of postulated that are capable of regenerating, but don't know. Maybe bring those into the lab um, and see whether they're they're able to or not. And then sort of looking at vertebrates, when you start to move outside of salamanders, frogs, for example, and then um, one of the things that was sort of kind of popularized last year was we made the discovery along with some colleagues that these African spiny mice over in Kenya have the capacity to regenerate portions of their skin and also these large ear punches in their ears. And arts and sciences and, you know, the uh, Office of Research has been great. They've helped support this. And so they're providing me um, some space to actually house these things here and, and do some more regeneration studies. So I'll have species of African spiny mice as well as normal uh, normal laboratory mice. And then also want to start to do a little work with geckos because they're famous for being able to regenerate their tails as this you know reptile can do that. But they can't regenerate their digits. And so we're kind of interested in, in why that is. So we'll have those guys. What's been your favorite part about doing this research or what's been sort of one of your favorite things that you've found? Well, I consider myself extremely lucky. I mean, you know, most people who, most people who are developmental biologists, right, or, or regeneration biologists for that matter, find themselves doing lab work most of the time. And, you know, that means we're, we're sort of inside. Um, and I, and I used to do some work. I did, did a master's over in Africa, actually, about a decade ago. And this work with the African spiny mouse has allowed me to get back to Kenya. And so, um, I spent three summers, uh, you know, three months at a time, capturing these things out there, trapping them, um, doing some of this work, and then re-releasing them. And so that's that's been incredibly fun, um, and also and also interesting. And then, you know, just in terms of being a scientist, right? I mean, it's not a bad gig. I mean, I wake up in the morning, and it's possible that that day I might discover something that that no one else else, else has, or it may be that a student's, you know, made some observation and and had a eureka moment, and that leads to some novel therapeutic that we might develop. I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but uh, there always is that possibility. And so, you know, never a dull moment. You know, if you if it gets tired just sticking behind your computer writing or whatnot, you just go in the lab or go in the animal house and, and you know, you have all those students around. So that's, that's good. It's fun. Thanks for listening. And thanks to the College of Arts and Sciences and the Department of Biology for making this podcast possible.